Natalie Sweet, the Program and Education Coordinator at the Abraham Lincoln Library and Museum in Harrogate, Tennessee here. If you look forward to Lincoln Memorial University's homecoming each year, you may have been sad to learn that the in-person version of Homecoming 2020 had to be canceled out of an abundance of caution due to COVID-19. An important aspect of every rail splitter homecoming is sharing our LMU memories. The Abraham Lincoln Library Museum is now keeping this aspect alive year-round by releasing our new podcast, The Young Lincolns. Taking its title from LMU founder O.O. Howard's words about the students of LMU being the young Lincolns of this section, the podcast will allow you to hear the stories of LMU alumni from its founding to the present day. Some stories, like the one you will hear today from Miss Nola Estep Comer, will come from written memories preserved in the University and Museum's archives. Others will come to you directly from the stores. These are the types of stories you love to hear fellow rail splitters tell at homecoming. A proposal at the Spring House, dorm life with the deadline that's firmly in place, funny class stories, and memories of those instructors who helped alumni grow into the people they are today. And these podcasts will give you an added bonus, the ability to hear from alumni who attended it in its earliest days and are no longer with us. Episode two, Miss Nola Estep Comer. Nola Estep Comer attended Lincoln Memorial University while it still functioned as both a location to receive a secondary education and higher education. For elementary school, she attended the Harrow School, which preceded LMU and later attended what was then known as the LMU Academy. She graduated in the year 1917. The following account was taken from a small booklet that she published in 1976 called As I Remember Cumberland Gap. Miss Nola E. Stepcomer passed away on October 24, 1999 at the age of 100 years old. I spent my first year in the old Harrow Hall School. The older residents will remember this school. It was located on the hill overlooking the LNN Railroad. Both elementary and high school were taught there. As far as I can remember and have been told since, this was a good school for that period. I liked school from the very first. I liked being with people. I liked to learn. I liked everything about school and did until the last day I went to college. Harrow Hall burned about the second year after I started school. After that, school was held in one building after another, anything that was available. Sometimes the school had to be divided into two buildings because one building would not be large enough to hold all the students. Time passed and I finished the grade school at Cumberland Gap. I think if I had quit school, then it would have made no difference to anyone but me. My parents did not object to my going on to high school, but neither did they encourage it. But I was eager to go. At that time, there was a high school in Lincoln Memorial University about two miles away. Just before my 13th birthday, I started LMU in high school. There must have been a dozen or more of us who walked back and forth every day. Uh, this was fun. I never wanted to miss a day. Besides learning, we had so much fun going and coming. No matter what the weather was, we dressed accordingly and went on. The winters seemed to be much more severe than we have now. 
I remember dressing in long underwear and long black cotton stockings and then putting leggings on over this and they buttoned up to the knee. Then we wore heavy woolen dresses and sometimes two sweaters and a top coat and tied our heads up in wool scarves. Sometimes we would wind the scarves around our faces, all but our eyes. When we arrived at school, there would be ice frozen on the scarf where the moisture from our breath would freeze. We would play in the snow, stop and build snowmen, throw snowballs and roll in the snow. I think of all the children now who are driven to and from school if it is more than one block away. They miss a lot of fun. Do they think their grandmother and granddaddy had it tough? Well, we didn't have televisions to run home to and sit and watch for hours. We went home to work. Uh, perhaps this was the reason we delayed getting home. The first year I was in high school, my parents decided to move to one of the hotels and operate it. It was leased to us completely furnished. Therefore, we just locked our house up with everything in it but our clothes. I don't think I was very enthused over this decision to run a hotel. I thought if it was hard to keep two or three boarders, it would be really hard to do all of the work a hotel would require, and it was. We served meals family style for the price of 35 cents. The dining room was a big long room with a table running almost the full length of the room. It was my job every day when I came home from school to clean off the table. I would take everything off and put on a clean cloth one day and the next day take everything off and turn the cloth over. And I cleaned silver and washed and filled sugar bowls. When the meal was ready, I waited on the table. We only stayed at the hotel one year. That was the year we bought the piano. We traded our old pump organ in on a big upright piano and I took some more lessons. I took lessons from a dear old lady on the campus at LMU. I must have been a sore trial to her as I wasn't very apt at playing the piano and finally gave it up. I had much rather study math, English, and literature. At the end of that school year, we went back to our home in Harrow Hall Hill. We still kept boarders, but it was nice at home and we were all glad to go home. I continued school at the high school at Harrogate. About 1914 or 1915, one of the doctors in town bought an automobile. This was the first car I ever saw. The roads were still bad and the auto had big high wheels and had iron rims instead of the rubber tires we have now. This doctor had two daughters going to school at Harrogate and sometimes he would come after them in his auto. Once I was walking with him when he met us and he asked me to ride home with them. I was almost frightened to death, but I got in and I crouched down on the floor at their feet. There was only one room, so seat, so there was only no room for me except on the floor. I'm sure the doctor must have known I was scared and my face must have been flushed. I remember him leaning over and touching my face and saying he believed I had a fever. This was his way of teasing me about being afraid. Cujo's cave was not Cujo's cave then. It was the soldier's cave, named such. I have been told because the soldiers hid out or in there during the Civil War. As far as we young people were concerned, God had put it solely there for our pleasure. It was certainly not commercialized then, but we spent many hours exploring through it. The fact that we got our clear, cool water from it was purely incidental to us. We still get our water from there. In those days, we took lanterns. Who had heard of a flashlight then? And each time we went, we would try to find new openings to crawl through. We had to lie flat on our stomachs and squirm through many places. We found a room which we called the mud room. 
The floor of this room was sticky, almost like chewing gum when it stuck to our shoes. When we took someone with us who had never been there before, it was great fun to get him to walk through the mudroom. Someone would say, Hey, I see a light beyond this room. I believe there might be a shortcut out of the cave. The designated one would then go get the newcomer to follow him while the rest of us lingered behind. Of course, when they got to the other side, all they could do was turn around and come back. Then we would all go into hysterics over this. The newcomer had to be the one to talk the next one through. The cave is now lighted, paths paved with guides to take you through, and you pay your $2 per person. However, I doubt anyone has ever had the fun going through it that we did. In all those years, with all the many kids exploring and playing in the cave, there was not a single accident. When I think of it now, I shiver to think about what could have happened. Did you ever go Kodaking? No? Well, this was a favorite pastime in the days of yore. This happened while we were in school at Lincoln Memorial University. We were more grown up, of course, and were dating the boys from there. On Sunday afternoons and sometimes on Saturdays, we would get pictures, we would get together and take our Kodaks, or at least one Kodak and several rolls of film and go for long walks and take pictures. I think I should spell Kodak with a capital K as I think it was a brand name, but any camera to us that time was a Kodak. Never did we say camera. I have a few of those pictures now and how I wish I had many more of them. But while living in Middlesbrough, the pictures were stored in an old trunk in the furnace room. We had a flood and the water ruined everything in the trunk. Therefore, only those I had in the house remained. We walked and we posed for many pictures, in couples, in singles, and in groups. I had a boyfriend, I suppose. I might say he was my first steady, and on my 16th birthday, he gave me a Kodak. Now this was the biggest thing that had ever happened to me at that time. It was an expensive gift for the times. We really used that camera. I still have that camera stored away. It might still make good pictures, I don't know. It has been many, many years since it had been used. That boy left LMU at the end of that year and didn't come back. I never saw him again. We wrote to each other for a while and finally that ended. I'm sure we both found other interests. Several years ago, I heard that he had met with a tragic death. So, life goes on. When I mention going Kodaking to my children and grandchildren, a little smile comes over their faces. But can you think of a better name for it? One of the girls I grew up with was always into pranks. She was cuter than the rest of us and always very daring. I can smile now when I think of some of the things she could get into. One thing that comes to mind was one spring morning, just warm enough to be fairly comfortable without a sweater or a wrap of any sort, when we all gathered at our meeting place to walk to school together. No one had a sweater, but this particular girl and her mother had made her wear one. She was very much put out because she was the only one with a wrap. On the railroad, we passed a boxcar. The car was empty and the doors were wide open and it looked like it might have been there for days. So she got the idea of putting her sweater in the car and then picking it up on the way home. This was when we were in school at LMU and we walked the railroad track. She hid the sweater in a corner of the boxcar and went happily on her way, thinking her mother would never know it. You guessed it. When we came home that afternoon, the boxcar was gone as well as the sweater. I think she told her mother someone at school stole it. For some reason, her mother always believed her no matter what she told her. 
Another time on a snowy day, the snow was four or five inches deep and so smooth and pretty where no one had stepped. At one place, we all decided to lie down in the snow and make our print. To do this, we had to lay our books aside. Of course, we all picked them up when we left except this girl. She forgot hers and left them in the snow. When she got to school and missed them, she retraced her steps to the place she had left them, but no books and they were never found. We never knew what become of them, but supposedly someone found them and wasn't honest enough to return them. I can't remember if she bought a new set or did without them the rest of the term. It wouldn't have really mattered. She never used them anyway. There's another little story from my LMU days that my daughter has always enjoyed. I don't know if she links my childhood to a rather dull time or if I've left an image with her that I never did anything wrong and she gets a kick out of me getting caught disobeying the rules. But in those days at LMU, it was compulsory for everyone to attend chapel, and that was every day, not just once a week. This I always did, uh, perhaps because I was afraid not to rather than that I enjoyed it. One of her classmates had a very good friend who lived in Shawnee, Tennessee, a few miles from Harrogate, and instead of walking like we did from the Cumberland Gap, she drove a horse and buggy. Well, this was the greatest. Lots of times, she and the older girls would skip chapel and go for a buggy ride. One day, the temptation was just too much for me, and I joined them. For the first time ever, the dean decided to come looking for us. I guess I just brought them bad luck. When we discovered he was watching for us, we made a beeline for the library. This is where the study halls were and also the washrooms. We rode in from the back road and all rushed to the library and down the steps to the girls' washroom. We never thought he would follow us there. That was a no-no. But he wasn't to be outdone, and we heard him coming down the steps. We raised a basement window and all climbed out and off toward the chapel hall. But he caught with us, and about the time the chapel was half over, he marched the four of us in and all the way down to the front seat. Then, without a word, he took his place on the platform. Needless to say, I was deeply humiliated, and that was the end of my skipping chapel. If you're interested in more stories like these of Miss Nella's, subscribe to The Young Lincolns Today and prepare to lose yourself in hours of interviews and reminiscing. And if you are interested in sharing your own LMU story, contact me at natalie.sweet at lmunet.edu. You may be featured on a future episode.